This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Have you tried to get one of those rapid tests lately? Have you seen those lineups for the promised free rapid home tests? The latest giveaway was at Fairview Mall this morning. People waited for hours and the kits were gone by 11 a.m. There are only two more of those scheduled, by the way. And even if you're prepared to pay, they're almost impossible to find. They're sold out online and in most pharmacies that carry them. And some of the pharmacies that actually will perform the tests for you for an even bigger price, well, some of them have very strict rules about who can get one. At Shoppers, it is for travel only, so no one with symptoms and no one who is worried about an exposure can get one of those tests, even if they're willing to pay that 40 bucks. And by the way, I've seen rapid tests being sold as high as $78 a pop. Uh, So the government, the federal government, is promising millions of tests, $140 by the end of the month. (laughs) Well, that may be after the height of the wave has passed, one can only hope. And and my question is, do they actually have these items? And if they do, why aren't they being distributed? So I'd like to hear your experience if you've been trying to get a rapid test for whatever reason. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now I would like to welcome our panel of pharmacists, Justin Bates, CEO of the Ontario Pharmacists Association, Kiro Masse, pharmacist and owner at Lawler Pharmacy in Toronto, and Dean Miller, pharmacist, president and CEO of the Whole Health Pharmacy. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon, Libby. So let us begin uh, with Justin. So why is it such a problem? Why why can't the pharmacies even get this in stock? There's so much to unpack here. And and I think it's overly complex than it has to be. And if you think about where we should be and where we want to be, it's free rapid distribution of these tests. Uh, It's so important for screening, particularly right now with the uh, essentially, what we're seeing is the changes in criteria for the PCR testing is going to put more demand for rapid tests. And what we have is a perfect storm of lack of supply. And we had a prioritization from government early on in the pandemic to target highest risk settings like long-term care, congregate settings, and small businesses to get these rapid tests out. And now there's limited supply. And there wasn't a, a strong strategy for getting it out to individuals. So we're now engaged with government, and we've been asking uh, for several months, uh, if not years now, to uh, actually have a a program in place where it would be free distribution of these rapid antigen tests through pharmacies uh, and not have the scenario where it's just utter chaos that we've seen through LCBO and the malls. The other piece to this that we have to consider is also the approval process for 
test kits. They've taken a lot longer than they should have from a Health Canada perspective. And many of these test kits are not approved for self-testing and take-home. So a lot of it's being used off-label. In other words, government has provided exemptions. There's only a handful of test kits that you can actually sell to individuals to take home and uh, do their own uh, self-administration of the test. So all these things uh, create the scenario we're in right now, which is less than ideal. Uh, Dean, I know that you have been ordering tests, and, and Justin was talking about free tests, but a lot of people are willing to pay, and still it's a huge problem. Yeah, that's right, uh, Libby. Um, you know, I agree with everything that Justin said. Uh, you know, the, the one thing that we weren't doing for the longest time, you know, we had, you know, heard about the government providing these free tests for pharmacy, so we, we kind of held off. And, you know, of course, Omicron hit, you know, just prior to Christmas and, you know, the phone started to light up and everybody wanted a, a rapid antigen test. And, and, you know, we've part of our business in, in, with my pharmacy group is, is, is procurement of different products. So we went out and tried to search and, you know, there's five or six providers. Well, there's a lot more providers than that, but five or six that are sort of active. None of them really, with the exception of one, have uh, receive that approval for self-administration of the test. But, you know, um, uh, the government's, you know, providing tests to uh, to people at the LCBO and balls and that sort of thing that aren't necessarily approved for self-administration either. So, you know, our pharmacists needed uh, needed a supply. So we went out and, uh, and we're able to find one <laughs> that was able to supply, but uh, it was tough. But there's there's a little bit out there, but not very much. Uh, I think I think your phones are going to go off the hook. Um, uh, and uh, how much do they cost, if I may ask? Uh, it's really going to be up to the pharmacist to establish the retail price of them. Um, right now, I mean, we're getting them from for around seventy dollars a test, uh, but I I think that the uh, the pharmacists will establish whatever, you know, uh, retail price they're going to establish uh, out there. They have been, as you said, uh, they were running around 30 to $40 at test uh, earlier. Um, That's if, know, the te- if the pharmacist or the yeah, assistant exactly, performed the test. Testing and performs the test and whatnot, right? But for sale out in the market, uh, Libby, quite truthfully, I, I really don't know what the retail is going to be, but... But that's about what we're getting them for. Yeah, well, I can, I can tell you that, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago when this was first announced, I had a caller saying, people are going to try to resell them and make money on this. And I thought, well, that's the least of our worries. Boy, was I ever wrong. <laughs> Kiro Masse, uh, is it the case that, that you as a pharmacist have to compete with the government for getting these tests? Uh, so for starters, uh Nice to be speaking with Dean oh. and Justin. Great folks. Dean, if you could connect me with whoever is selling it for seven or eight dollars <laughs> after the call, I'd love to speak to them. Uh, because that's certainly not the price that I was able to secure a limited supply for just even my staff, two of which tested positive over the last two weeks and were caught with rapid tests. Um, so the, the, the currently, even from speaking to people that are involved in the distribution chain, 
the government, the federal government, is finally getting it together and purchasing as many of these as they can so they can make a sort of grand announcement and distribute them, hopefully not too late, to the general public, uh, to distribute them to the provinces, and obviously the provinces will then distribute them to the people. The, the issue is bigger than, in my opinion, bigger than where it's being sold, where it's being provided. The bigger issue is the fact that this has been distributed in other jurisdictions like England for close to a year now, free of charge to the general public. And here in Canada, we we were just sitting on it. We didn't do anything about it. I was actively personally engaged in this, and Justin can probably attest to this, all the way back last December of last year with the government to get these approved, get these on the market. I wasn't alone. There were plenty of other people. And the federal government was just banking it all on vaccines. And as great as vaccines are, they're one tool in your arsenal, and I always say this, if you're fighting this war, you have to use every weapon you have. And rapid tests, if I could just stress the fact that they're great, they're a lot more accessible, they're a lot more viable as a testing option than PCR, as you've seen that PCR testing there's limited capacity. You, you need a lot more resources to actually do it. With the amount of spread that you're having with Omicron and the shorter incubation period of Omicron, it just makes perfect sense to use rapid tests to detect it. And the federal government simply failed to provide these, in my opinion, in a timely fashion. And then you have people that are selling it on the black market for 70 I've heard even $160. Wow. And the elephant in the room is why are they being sold in the first place? They shouldn't be. Well, uh, again, I know lots of people who would be delighted to get their hands on some, even if they have to pay, you know, hopefully sad. A, a reasonable amount. I know I had one caller who said he, he bought some, I guess, before Christmas. So good for him. Um, here's what kind of gets my goat in the absence of this. So I hear Kieran Moore, the chief medical officer, and he's saying, well, there aren't a lot of tests. So if you have any of the symptoms of Omicron, which are the symptoms of a cold, runny nose, coughs, or throat, uh, then assume it's Omicron and go isolate with everyone in your household. I mean, to me, hearing that from a public official who undoubtedly has access to as many tests as they need. It, it, I mean, it's beyond insensitive. It sure is. And if I can jump in on that point, when you think about the impact to frontline healthcare providers of having to isolate with the uh, transmissibility of Omicron, you're seeing that impact of shortages in labor. But think about the impact uh, to our society as a whole people having to self-isolate for five or 10 days, uh, not being able to go to work. We've got schools that have been shuttered multiple times. I mean, Ontario is the uh, highest uh, number of school shutdowns in all of North America. And the reason is, and, and Kirill mentioned this, is that we haven't used all the tools in our arsenal, including getting proper ventilation into uh, workplaces, including schools. N95 masks with an airborne virus and rapid testing. And even with the reopening plan for this Monday, they talk about two rapid tests per student. I mean, that will last uh, a week. Uh, and that's not if going that. to help uh, prevent 
the spread. So yes, we've we've absolutely dropped the ball, and there's you know I think shared blame across multiple governments on getting these free tests out to people so that we can safely reopen and stay open. Uh, and it's now showing the fault lines across our healthcare system and all parts of our economy and supply and everything else and inflation, you could actually draw a straight line to people having to isolate and uh, the spread of this. Uh, let me give the numbers out again, people. I really would like to hear from our audience about their experiences. Did you get any rapid tests? In terms of, of people that I know, people who either uh, work at a small business that was on top of it and got the supply uh, in the summer or in the fall. Uh, I can tell you that here at our company, we're a little late to think about it. So we qualify for those tests, but they are nowhere in sight. And uh, um, I want to hear from people. And did you did you buy some? Did you see? Uh, uh, I, I apologize to the woman that I said it was no big deal. Did you see a listing on Craigslist or Kijiji trying to gouge people for a rapid test? Uh, the numbers 416 Three six zero zero seven forty toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty and Dean those hundred and forty million government tests like uh, where are they do we have them are we waiting for them and w- what what is up with the distribution well I've heard a couple things uh, Libby I mean the Prime Minister made his announcement last week and you know I had heard that. You know, the tests were already sort of in the hands of the provincial governments across the country. And, you know, it sounds like an incredibly large number, 140 million tests, but it's not. You know, I mean, testing uh, should occur, you know, a couple times a week, you know, especially. So I kind of see the 140 million, even if Ontario got all 140 million, I mean, that would probably satisfy our school kids. But and that's about it. You know, I mean, um, so Justin made the comment earlier on that, you know, we had been awaiting an announcement about a free distribution in pharmacy. I mean, we, we have been hearing about that now for a number of months and it just, it just hasn't happened. So, you know, I mean, the demand has been incredible for rapid antigen tests. So, you know, hence why, uh, you know, Kiro and myself and other people, we've been searching high and low to see if we can find a supply somewhere. Well, yeah, the question is, do you think the government has those tests in hand and what's it like to get distribution from them? Well, you know, I can't speak to the government, uh, you know, doing a distribution because it doesn't come directly to us. Um, You know, it usually goes to our distributor and then out to out to the pharmacies. Um, You know, I can only take it on on what they've been telling us for a number of months now is that, you know, the, the tests are out there and they're. You know, they're, they obviously have to be somewhere. Uh, and when I, when I talk, I talked earlier on about a lot of the vendors are now down to zero. They, they're, they're not supplying us with anything. And, uh, presumably that's because they've supplied uh, those supplies to the federal government. So they're somewhere, Libby. I just don't know where they are. So if I could just add one point, sorry to interject. Oh, please. Uh, they, they, the government buys from suppliers, okay? They don't give that supply to us, So, just so that we're clear on this. We are buying from the same suppliers as the government, and that's why we're not able to purchase in pharmacy. Well, that, that's you're competing with them. 
Yeah, that's fine. And, and, and I've said this before. I don't want to compete with the government. I want the government to do their job and distribute these for free to the general public. This is not this is not my bread and butter to sit down and explain to people all day how to use a rapid test and, and to perform rapid tests on a pharmacy. Ideally, for me, I would like this to be distributed for free so that we can get schools reopened. That, to me, is more important than the business side of things. Yeah, uh, and the other thing, before I uh, get to a couple of calls here, uh, so this restriction, uh, so the, this is shoppers, so, uh, and also some of the, the private, um, clinics. Big restrictions on going into the pharmacy and getting a test. It's like only for travel. They want your passport number. Nobody so with symptoms. Because there is no supply and they're prioritizing the, the people that are traveling. So if you're traveling, you're not going to be able to get into the States if you don't get a rapid test. So there is, these people basically have no choice. They have, they have to get tested. And that's, that's their, I guess, principle. Like I, I, I can't really speak fully to shoppers or law laws for that matter. But in, in my case, I've, I've kept the limited supply that I have for people wishing to travel. Uh, because they have no other choice. Uh, Justin, I mean, is is that the rationale? I mean, that means that somebody who wants to figure out if they're sick, if they have to stay home or if they can go to work, uh, can't get one. Absolutely. And, and that's what you're seeing is uh, prioritization. You're seeing rationing going on. And uh, there's been so many changing uh, criteria for eligibility. If you think about even the last six months for PCR testing, and even when we launched the asymptomatic program back in September of 2020 in pharmacies, it's changed. Uh, originally, travel was part of that public program, then it got delisted and it moved to a private uh, model, private pay model. And, and now we're starting to see the shift from PCR because of the capacity challenges and labs and the resources that were mentioned earlier to rapid antigen testing. The problem is that there was no strategy of distribution of all these kits before they changed all the criteria. So now you have this massive Russian demand and you see what's happening. And, and LCBO was used originally because it's a government distribution channel and it was easier for them to quickly put it in LCBO versus trying to get it out through other means. But well, you can get your booze ahead, while you're getting your test. Yeah, exactly right. And the malls and what have you. But that, that's not that's not an appropriate way to see people lining up out in the cold to, to get a rapid test. So we need to, and we are, engaging the government on a plan to do this in a safe and, and efficient way so that there's multiple distribution points and it's free for the public. And, and I think that's something that's long overdue. Okay, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Helen in Toronto. Hi, Helen. Hi, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? I'm okay. Um, I've got a couple of points. First of all, there was a news item on, and it was a little while ago, saying they did it. They had all these tests. They couldn't break bulk. I looked at it, and I said, how stupid. Get the kids. Your kids in high school have to have so many service hours before they can graduate. Go to Dollarama and buy a bunch of box cutters. Like, you know, no big deal. Have you tried to get a test, Helen? Uh, no, because I'm not going anywhere, and I've got my third vaccination. So, um, no, I haven't. But I don't know where my grandson got the test. The doctors, as soon as he called in and said that the little ones are sick, they said, assume it's uh, COVID and, you know, 
don't don't let anybody come near them. So that was the end of that. Right. Okay. Thanks, Helen, for your call. Uh, let's go to Bruce in Guelph. Hi, Bruce. Hi, lady. Uh, something just made my blood boil. One of the gentlemen there just said that he's reserving all the tests for people that are traveling. Well, there's a travel advisor. You're not supposed to be traveling. These things are supposed to be so people can go to work, people can go to school. Uh, that that just that, that doesn't sit well with me at all. Well, some people have to travel, but uh, I will let him respond. So, Bruce, I agree with you. I'm on the same page, and it honestly, it, it is not fair. And, but there's a lot of people that are traveling for a variety of different reasons. Uh, like, I have people that have had a death, for example, in the United States, and they need to travel. If if we don't provide them with a test, then they're fresh out of options. Mind you, we're talking about, like, 50 tests total here. And it's sad, it's unfortunate, but I don't know what to tell you. There's no right answer to this. Yeah, There's so I get, I get what you mean if people have to travel. I get that for deaths and maybe really urgent business, but general people just come, want to go to Florida or the Caribbean. I don't think they should be getting the test. And I'm with you on the same page. Like, yeah, like, yeah I mean, ex- exactly, over somebody who uh, his their livelihood depends on it, or uh, even if people who can afford to stay home for now it's five days, I guess, if you're vaccinated, they're, they're going to be burning out their co-workers covering for them. That's also oh, yeah. an issue. Yeah, not, not every pharmacy is restricting it to travel. Right, I, so, so there are pharmacies out there that are that are doing, uh, you know, you want to go uh, visit your grandparents or you need it for work. You know, so there are you know, there's there are pharmacies out there that are that are certainly using it for other reasons other than travel. Right, right. Um, so I, I mean, again, uh, I so what are the timelines here, uh, Dean? You're getting a small amount. Like, wh- when are people receiving their next shipments? Well, <laughs> that, that's the big question, Livy. Like. Uh, you know, I don't even know if I can answer it. Uh, I mean, most of the companies that we reached out to, you know, are now are now telling us, you know, mid February, late February. You know, uh, I mean, who knows what the progression of Omicron? You know, what the demands will be at that time. But it's not good news for anybody because you know the it, it doesn't look like the supply is 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 coming back in any any quick fashion and. Uh, uh, you know, most of these companies that we've reached out to, uh, like I said, I found a small quantity of them that are Health Canada approved, but that's about it. Not much more. Well, this just in, uh, the Ontario government just sent out a press release uh, that they are uh, investing a million dollars to support Nor- Norgen. Is it Norgen or Norgen? Norgen Biotech to scale up production of the saliva-based test kit. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Okay. We'll see how how quickly that. Yeah. That like, can... yeah like again, like where where it, it, when is this happening? Like where, like look at us. Like this this is like we're January thirteenth of twenty twenty two, and this is when they decide to invest. So that hopefully maybe by June, maybe we'll have them by then. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, <laughs> we don't need them by then. Uh, I'm I'm going to take a quick call from Gloria, but Gloria, I don't think you're talking about a rapid test. Hi, Gloria. Hello, uh, Lou, Ruby. How are you, Libby? Yes, Libby. Yes. 
Um, we're hanging in. I, I, my comment is that my husband and I, who are in our 70s, we decided a couple of weeks ago, three weeks ago, that we needed to uh, get a test. We went to Shoppers Drug Mart. They handed us a package. We went back to our car and administered, as we were told. And we have checked every day since on the uh, website they told us to go to, and nothing has showed up. Uh, that doesn't sound... You administered it yourself? Usually they do that if, if uh, they administer it. Uh, no, they gave us the package, and they and expected then you gave us to go home and said to bring it back within two hours. Well, we did it in the car and took it right in. Uh, I I can't speak to that. Maybe you should try to call. Yeah, good idea. Just to contact the pharmacy directly. Perhaps there was yeah. that's almost some, impossible. You some can't get through. It's impossible to get a hold of them. It's yeah, it's difficult. Uh, but uh, you know, with some of those tests, I've I've looked at the videos. Uh, you could screw it up <laughs> if you don't do it right. Yeah, there is a take-home uh, there is a take-home pickup and drop-off option within the PCR test, and I think that's what you're referring to. But yeah, the best bet is it sounds like there's there's some administrative uh, error there and maybe trying to get in contact and, and get the results um, because you should have them by now. Well, we have uh, tested again since then uh, through another uh, department, but yeah, and, and we, we were uh, positive, so we've oh, been through oh. it and it's all over with, but I just thought it was very frustrating that they could, we couldn't contact them, we couldn't get any uh, answer back. So it, yeah. Like as a person that's working in a pharmacy, the last two weeks I can assure you have been the most challenging two weeks of my life. Mm. The amount of volume that we were seeing and the pressure of work over the last two weeks were unlike I've ever seen in my life. But I assure you, things have normalized to a great extent. Right now, the waters are starting to settle. So. Well, that's good. You you kind of have to keep trying. I mean, they it, it, they're not goofing off. They're just in crazy busy. Yeah. Well, yeah, there's three weeks. Maybe there's also a lot. I mean, there's there's you know hundreds and hundreds of pharmacies that are doing testing. So you know, uh, as you said, you got to be a little bit persistent. And you know, if uh, if the pharmacy that you are checking with isn't doing testing or whatever, you know, go on to the next one. Unfortunately, or check the ministry site. Uh, to see who might be doing it. But PCR, PCR, if I just may add, PCR testing right now has no. very specific and limited criteria. Uh, so, like, the majority of people don't qualify. And that, that again, is necessary because there is limited capacity for PCR testing. And that's where rapid tests would shine. But here we are waiting on the government, I guess, to provide those as well. Yeah, I mean, so so uh, just to wrap things up, uh, the problem is that the government d- didn't get the importance of this tool, and we're behind the eight ball now. Yeah, the federal government first, and in about a year and change ago, I we we engaged them myself and many other people, uh, and they 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 just didn't respond. And there was also the approval process, as Justin alluded to, took like forever. Like they, you started seeing these tests on the market here in Canada in like September. It, 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 they've been around being distributed in a country like England since like January of last year or last January. So they they really took their time with this, unfortunately. And they 
even at 140 million just for the listeners, 140 million tests, we're 50 million in Canada about. So do the math. 50? This this is a drop in the bucket in comparison to what we actually need here. I, I have to look up your population estimate. I think it's a little high. But, Dean, what would you like to leave us with? You know, um, we're, we're taking a similar path here than we did with sanitizer and masks. So for everybody listening, I think just be careful out there because there are some of these tests that um, I think, Kira, you said there are 100. Some people are trying to sell them on Craigslist for $160. You know, be careful what you get because, you know, there is a Health Canada approved list and you want to get one of the tests that's on that list uh, because you never know what you're buying, you know, if you're buying it from unreliable sources. So just be careful. And Justin, what would you like to leave us with? Well, I do think we need a test to stay or test to work uh, policy for healthcare providers to expand on the PCR testing. I think that's really important and something we're talking to government about. But I also think that uh, we will see some movement over the next two weeks on the distribution of free rapid tests in multiple channels. Although it's late, it's better than uh, not having it at all. And, and we're going to be pushing really hard for that because it's the right thing to do. And we need this tool in our uh, arsenal in order to combat the, the pandemic. Okay, well, it's nice to end on a hopeful note. Uh, fascinating conversation. Thank you so much, Dean Miller, Justin Bates, and Kiro Masse. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, we are going to take a break. And when we come back, well, uh, problems in the pharmacy getting rapid tests. Uh, we'll talk about some problems in the doctor's office when we return. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. And now we are moving from the pharmacy to the doctor's office. And have you tried to see your doctor lately? Back in the earlier waves, we heard a lot of complaints from our audience that their physicians would not see them in person. And a few months ago, several professional bodies weighed in, and they were telling the doctors that it was time to start in-person visits. Well, Omicron is changing that. And this time, the main issue seems to be staff shortages because of the disease. Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who is a frequent contributor here, told us this week that her office had to go into code orange. What does that mean? Dr. Gorfinkel joins me now. Hello, how are you? Many thanks for having me back. I'm doing, well, let's say I could be better. Let's put it that way. So uh, what's Code Orange and why did you have to resort to it? So Code Orange refers, I'm just using it to mean in our office, we were unable to see patients personally. And that's because every one of the three staff that we normally have in front got a COVID-like illness. We're actually still waiting on results to learn if it was COVID. We know, one, that it was not. But that said, it just goes to show you how contagious this disease is and how frightening. All three employees, and I'm only saying this because I do have their permission, it did get double vaxxed. So they had two vaccinations. They were waiting for their booster shots. And what's interesting is from UK data, we know that two doses will only prevent 10% of symptomatic cases. 
It keeps people out of hospital, but so this is exactly what happened in my office. It ripped through like wildfire. Everybody got sick. So as of Tuesday, we had to close the office down completely. Everybody had to stay in isolation for five days now, and we're working remotely. Um, Dr. Korfinkel, you know, our, our previous segment was on rapid tests and access, access to them. So you said you're waiting on PCR tests, but don't you have rapid tests? No. We don't have any rapid tests, and unfortunately, none of the staff had rapid tests. Now, one of them had children who had some rapid tests available, and it's interesting. The one who had the rapid testing available, her children, you know, she, I'm sorry, she had actually had COVID-19. So it was probably, you know, one of the earlier strains. So not only was she vaccinated twice, but she had had a different strain of covid so it's interesting that, yes, people can get it. Omicron is extremely contagious, but thankfully, it's a milder disease, we think. We don't know the long-term long, you know, projections on it, but the short-term projections are extremely reassuring. You know, it's, it's less than half as likely to wind up somebody in hospital altogether. And then when people do go to hospital, the hospitalizations tend to be shorter, you know, and same with fewer ICU visits, far fewer deaths. But nevertheless, it's deeply concerning just how many people are getting it and how quickly our hospitals can be overwhelmed. And what you're seeing with me, frankly, it's just a trickle-down effect. Because where do you think patients go or turn to when they get COVID and they're not emergency room material? Why not at the family doctor's office? So I don't think it comes as any great surprise that eventually staff and family doctor's offices get sick. Um, I'd like to give the numbers out if people uh, and people be a little patient. If uh, you want to see your family doctor but uh, are not able to because of uh, this Omicron, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And I have to say, out of all of that, I'm surprised you, uh, you, you, you didn't have rapid tests. Well, I'm, you know, we are ordering it. Apparently, you know, there's a government website where we can order it. It's on Ontario.ca. Good luck with that. Exactly. I'm going to need it. Thank you. I I will take all blessings. I will take it in any form because, frankly, I I don't know when and how we're going to get them. And let's not forget that even if we had rapid tests, we can't look at them as objects of perfection. So how accurate are they? Let's let's consider latest. This is between 35 and 50 percent of positive cases. That gives an idea. But if it's negative, it does not rule it out. And that's important. If it's positive, it's probably positive. It's almost certainly going to be COVID. If anybody has symptoms, and that's exactly how we're managing the situation, that, you know, it is COVID until proven otherwise. Everybody with any kind of symptoms is recommended to isolate. But the most common symptoms of, of, of Omicron, what are they? And it's interesting because it, it turns out that they are a little different. Than Delta had done. Yeah, you know, they're 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 the symptoms of a cold, and that's why, you know, uh, I find it difficult and and annoying that people who get the symptoms of a cold in the middle of January are are being told just go isolate, don't get it, you can't have a test. I mean, the the and as you said, when people have symptoms, those tests are pretty accurate. Well, this is just it especially if they're done anywhere between two and three days from symptom onset. That's when the test tends to go positive. 
because the rapid test has to have enough virus on the swab in order to detect. So PCR, I like to think of it as photocopier, PCR. In other words, it can take even a small amount of virus, magnify that signal so that it can be detected earlier. But when it comes to Omicron and rapid tests, well, as it turns out, it's not going to pick it up until the viral load is high enough. And that doesn't happen until at least two to three days into symptoms. Hmm. Um, so what are you telling your patients? Uh, did you have to cancel a lot of appointments or at least in-person appointments? <laughs> we had to cancel all of the in-person appointments. You know, so how can I do a passing on the phone? That's pretty challenging. How can I do a clinical breast exam on the phone? That's pretty challenging. And what I'm deeply concerned about, as you notice, I'm mentioning cancer screening tests, right? These are things that help me better understand all these patients with musculoskeletal problems. Let, let, let's not delude ourselves. This is not a diagnosis that is made by phone. It's not made virtually, period. And we've seen the number of lab tests go up, the number of x-rays and ultrasounds that patients are being sent for. It's like, you know, we're trying to compensate for the lack of a physical examination. And that does not cut it. It is not meeting the standard of care. And that's what I'm deeply concerned about. So I, and never mind, it's so much more pleasant to see somebody, that interpersonal reaction, that interpersonal interaction. I live for that. It's way easier for me as well. It's nice to connect that way. So how long, I mean, is it just going to be a matter of five days and then you'll catch up or what? Well, we're giving it six to seven days for us. You know, the first day we were totally out was this last Tuesday. The first person had been symptomatic last Friday. So we're going back into the office next Monday. I'm going in on Tuesday. So I think we'll be okay unless somebody is symptomatic. So if anybody still has remaining symptoms, they're not going to be coming back in the office. This is, this is pretty much right according to the guidelines. You know, so if somebody has especially a fever, you know, they're, they're not allowed, even though they are so-called, well, I don't even want to use the term fully vaxxed anymore because we know that's an antiquated term at this point as Canada continues to run on its vaccine treadmill. Got to get those vaccines to low-income countries, finally, if you ask me. But that's a story for another day, I suppose. Okay. Anything you want to leave us with, Iris? Get the booster shot because that does improve uh, safety, you know, in terms of symptomatic disease. That can drop it very significantly. So I, I mentioned how five, six months after getting that second dose, you're at about 10% protection from symptomatic disease. That's the latest information from the UK. But you get that booster shot one to two weeks later, you're at 75% reduction of symptomatic disease. Now, fortunately, even two doses is going to work to keep people out of hospital, but we want to try to keep those symptomatic diseases down as well. Okay. Dr. Rivers Gorfinkel, uh, thanks for telling us about that and uh, take care. All the very best. Many thanks for having me, Libby. Okay, bye-bye. We are going to take a break. And when we come back, you know, yesterday we talked about that bombshell announcement from François Legault in Quebec. Uh, Well, today, uh, let's talk about the Prime Minister's reaction or lack thereof. Uh, We'll talk to some of our top political strategists when we come back.
You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. What would the Prime Minister do? That was a big question after Quebec Premier François Legault announced his bombshell plan to tax the unvaxxed. Many people expected Justin Trudeau to condemn the idea, but he won't say what, if anything, he thinks. He says he needs more details. So does he just want to stay out of Quebec's way, as he usually does? Does he actually support the idea? We know uh, there were some trial balloons about mandatory vaccination for everyone from the health minister. What do you think? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And now let's go to Jason Leader, conservative strategist and president of Enterprise, along with Robin Sears, who is a crisis communications consultant and a former NDP strategist. Hey, guys. Morning. Happy New Year, folks. Uh, Happy New Year to you. So, Jason, uh, what do you make of uh, the prime minister's reaction to this? Well, it uh, it was predictable. Let's put it that way. I mean, at this point, it's sort of parody, right? Like if if Justin Trudeau went out to his garage and saw Francois Legault stealing his bike, he would congratulate him for stealing the bike and, you know, just sort of just sort of wave him on his merry way. He will obviously do anything to avoid criticizing the guy. Now, whether or not this is a good policy or not, we can have a discussion about that. I don't know. I don't know how Robin feels. I've got some some feelings about it as well. But I will say that um, I think it's a, a little bit worrisome for the Federation generally that the prime minister, um, you know, essentially won't say a word whenever uh, the premier of Quebec, uh, you know, takes a position that is this is a pretty risky pretty out there policy uh supported by a lot of canadians i think a lot of canadians are super tired of the pandemic and they're really angry and they're really frustrated with that last 10 percent you know their neighbors and their friends who won't they've cut them out of their lives we've essentially shunned them from society said they can't go to restaurants or anywhere essentially leave their house legally other than to buy groceries so it's a very 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 risky sort of uh you know sort of step in that direction I'm not surprised the prime minister wouldn't take on the premier of Quebec because he's got to get elected again in Quebec. And he's just he's so afraid of him. Uh, Robin, what do you make of it? Well, you know, this prime minister has very hesitant, let me put it that way, uh, Quebec credentials. You know, he grew up in Ottawa. He went to an English speaking university, McGill. He spent much of his 20s snowboarding in B.C. And so he often gets Quebec wrong. Most of his worst political decisions language discrimination, anti-Muslim legislation, the SNC fiasco, and now this thing, are are based on the fact that he doesn't really read Quebec very well. He doesn't feel comfortable in making judgments about Quebec. And of course, as Jason points out, he needs to win Quebec voters. But that's, I think, the root of this. He's, he's always Quebec is his third rail, as it were. Now, uh, as to the decision, crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, I cannot believe that the Premier of Quebec thinks this is going to be effective. Uh, you know, what will happen if a homeless person who is not vaccinated has COVID and comes to a hospital and can't pay $200, let alone $2,000 to be treated? It's just, it's, it just won't work. And ethically, I just find it offensive. 
Uh, yeah, that's, uh, th- that's the issue itself. I mean, I, I, I think, Jason, you are right. I think a majority of people, and there was a poll yesterday, support this idea because they're really mad at the unvaxxed. And, uh, I've seen kind of, uh, convoluted explanations that there may be ways to make it, uh, accord with the Canada Health Act. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure it can. It can, if you don't receive, if you don't re- refuse, uh, medical service or, you know, me- medical treatment, it will accord. And if you make it a tax, you know, there's ways to do this. The question is, should we? And, and, and listen, I, I, I am as frustrated as, as anyone. You know, I'm triple vaxxed. I, you know, I'm trying to do everything I can. We're trying to, 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 we're very frustrated with the fact that we're in a lockdown because essentially a small portion of our society is choosing not to be part of the societal decisions that we've made. But this is a very, very dangerous sort of idea. Um, you know, and, and, and I know that, you know, libertarian style or conservative style arguments on this, people sort of laugh, oh no, that's, it, you know, it's impossible. If you would have told me three years ago in Canada that we'd be talking about a huge tax on people who didn't take a medical treatment, I would say, you know, that's, that's pretty out there. I mean, we're not talking, that's, that's really weird to talk about in, in Canada. And so this is, this has gone pretty far. And the truth is, Robin actually had a really good point there that I wanted to highlight. Will it work is the question, right? So we know it's a populist measure. We know why he's done it. He wanted to change the channel from losing his own medical officer of health. I'm talking about the, the premier of Quebec now and, uh, and, and, and some, and some pretty bad COVID stats in terms of deaths. You know, they're double the rest of the country. Um, so he wants to change the channel. He does this. He throws close his travel. And the question is, will it work? Is, if you're, if you've, if you've already decided not to get vaccinated by being shunned from bars, not being able to go to a Habs game, your friends and neighbors cutting you out of their socials or social circles, your kids getting laughed at at school, is a 250 or a $500 or a $1,000 tax going to do it? I'm not sure it is. And it will hurt the poor. Robin made a really good point about the homeless. Like, if I'm, if I'm a rich guy living in the suburbs, I might pay the $1,000 tax. Whatever. I don't care. I've already made this decision. It's going to hurt the poor the most. And so it's a very dangerous policy. Uh, and an additional risk, if I may, Libby, yeah. is that if someone is an anti-vaxxer and they do get sick, they may choose not to go to hospital because they don't want to pay the tax. So they become an even more dangerous spreader of the virus because they're not treated. Well, it's not clear that, that the tax would be collected at uh, in the hospital. I I would imagine that's not the case, but... Mind you, that would be that would be the easiest way to figure it out. Um, in terms of the effectiveness, it's interesting. I was talking to a couple of doctors yesterday, and they pointed out. They said, "Hey, um, if these people are unvaxed and they get their f- first shot, then they are very slightly protected. Uh, it might they might get some protection against hospitalization, but it, it's not clear that that will do anything." to stop the spread of Omicron. I agree. I mean, I think that the the dilemma here is, as Jason says, many of us are, to use the French president's term, pissed off, and we're really unhappy about the irresponsible vaccine delinquents, as I call them, um, affecting all our lives. I mean, the statistic that just astonishes me in terms of its unacceptability is that 10% of people occupy 50% of the ICU COVID beds in hospitals across Canada. You know, that's just not acceptable. But I think we have to be realistic about offending our own values as a society as a result of our rage. You know, we don't tell a drunk driver who may have just killed a family of four 
that he or she can't get medical treatment because they're not prepared to pay the drunk driving tax. Uh, we just wouldn't do that. And so I, I think this, this whole notion of using punitive measures as opposed to simply limiting the prerogatives and freedoms of the anti-vax folks. As Jason said, no bars, no games. Uh, None of us have bars and games. <laughs> but that's because of them. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what what uh, what recourse? I mean, I mean, we've seen and we've seen in other countries, you know, and, it, you know, on top of everything in Greece, there's an ageist element. They're only charging people over 60 who are not vaccinated. Yeah. And uh, there's in France and in Austria, I think they're going to start charging them. Well, and this is a, this is a um, we're in an interesting time, right? Because the, the pandemic isn't what it was before, and so you know, where last year the pandemic was something where it was some, that COVID was something everyone else got, and doctors and nurses had to worry about, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe if you're an essential worker, um, it was a pandemic of you know, essentially the people who had to do the day to day jobs. This last version of 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 of, of it, Omicron, it's essentially like I think forty to fifty percent of Canadians either have have had it or know somebody who has in a very tight social circle. So this has gone from something that other people got to something that that you got, and a lot of people or, or people you know got. And so um, it's really changed the way people. And it, the truth is, yep. I, it, it is it is less serious. It just is uh, in a case by case basis. I know there's people that are dying. I know the ICUs are full. I'm not saying I'm not trying to minimize it. But it is individually less serious, for sure. And so, if that's the way it con- continues, people are going to start seeing things a little bit differently. And and I think governments. This is where I think people are leading governments a little bit. I think people are starting to have discussions about you know what is it, what what's the way out of this? What are we doing next? Does this make any sense? You know, vaccination, for example, up until Omicron was essentially a get out of jail free card. You weren't going to get COVID, and if you were, it was going to be super duper, uh, you know, not severe. And now. It wasn't, you You could still get it. Um, it was going to still not be super severe for most people. It was going to be relatively mild. But, you know, if you were going to get it anyway, do some of these policies make sense? I'm actually a big supporter. I actually, I, I think that triple vax, if everyone was triple vax, we'd be in great shape. But, the, but man, the, the discussions that I think families are having around the table and like you're looking and you're saying, does this make any sense anymore? Or what are we going to do next? And you look around the world and you see different policies, frankly, right? You see full stadiums, you see people just living their lives. I'm not saying that that's the right way or the wrong way. I'm just saying there's a lot of discussion that's going to have to happen. And I'm not sure that this is the way that those discussions are going is, you know, essentially like we're going to shoot the sunwing people when they get back from Mexico and we're going <laughs> to, and we're going to pay, get everyone to pay $2,000 if they don't get back. I'm not sure that that's the way that people are going with some of this stuff. Uh, you know, Libby, I don't often agree with the Globe editorial page, but I have to say, I thought they were right on the money this morning. They said, why don't we apply the same techniques and tools that we do for the census? First, you get an email, then you get a phone call, then you get a knock on the door if you haven't responded to a census. Um, why don't we do that with vaccines? Exactly, Robin. What else have you tried? We've essentially tried nothing. So I bet, yeah, but have, you but. do. Okay, that, th- there's another question that I have, because I think that if they haven't already, they won't. But according to reports that I see out of Quebec, thousands of people signed up when he announced this. I, I'm, I'm skeptical. I mean, do you, Robin, do you think that's true? I think that, I mean, we know that the highest concentration of anti-vaxxers are adolescent to early 20s men, I'm sad to say. I suspect that many of them actually being told, you're making a decision that will change and limit the rest of your life, young man, or you can take a shot. 
I think we'd get it down to 5% or maybe even lower pretty quickly. I don't know. I, there's people, I, I, a lot of people who used to live in communist countries, authoritarian countries, distrust authority. Uh, I just find it astonishing. Uh, and Jason, do you believe those numbers that thousands of people in, in the day or so have signed up for their jab? I looked at the numbers. I actually, I actually try to do the homework because I think it's important to use facts, right? So they went from like five to 7,000 first shots. So thousands, yes, you know, like in those days, it will level out. Like the truth is Ontario vaccinates about 150,000 a day. Um, Quebec does about 90 to 100,000 a day. And those numbers, they, they ticked up a little bit this week. Um, there will be a few people who decided, hey, that's going to, then they realize it's not really that serious and then they're not going to do it. I'm actually like you, and I think I think Robin's idea. We're agreeing viciously here, Robin. Or, um, <laughs> I look at the U.S. side. So this is this is what's so disappointing about Canada. I look at the U.S. side, and there's lots to criticize about the U.S. response to this and the U.S. public response. But the, the U.S. census has actually done the work to find out who is unvaccinated. Right? Like you can read a report online to say what are the reasons why uh, they've done a million-person sort of census. To Robin's point, it's mostly um, young men, 18 to 35. So I don't know. Instead of a tax, are we thinking about a, you know, a, an Xbox, an Xbox gift card, or a PlayStation gift card, or a Fortnite something? Like, there's ways to get at people um, to persuade them of something. Like, I don't, I just don't see the fact that the the efficacy of some of the things that we do. And I don't think that we've tried a lot of those things. Right? Jason, like, I've, I've, I've yeah, got to interrupt you because like we are so way over time. Uh, and this is something that I'm sure we will revisit many times if, if it actually comes to pass. Thank you so much, Jason Leader and Robin Sears. Really appreciate a good conversation. Great. I'll be with you. That is all the time we have for today. Free for All Friday is coming up tomorrow. If you have something you want to talk about, if you weren't able to get through, we have a lot of hot button issues this week. So uh, I'm sure that it'll be busy and it'll be fun. That's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.